and since everybody knows who have scriptures, your translations will be different. We begin with Mark chapter 6, verse 7 and following. Mark chapter 6, verse 7 and following. And again, we'll be getting pew Bibles soon. Jesus summoned the twelve and began to send them out two by two. <laughs> Very important, two by two. We can't do this by ourselves. Giving them authority over unclean spirits. He instructed, da, 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 da. But what I want to go down to is verse 12. With that, they went off preaching the need for repentance. The need for repentance. Again, if you look in the beginning of Mark, you look in the beginning of Matthew, you look in the beginning of uh, Luke, Jesus always starts off with the same phrase. Repent. Repent. When he sent the apostles out two by two, he said, go ahead out and proclaim the need for repentance. The repentance, again, and I've preached on it many times, I ain't going to spend way much time on it, but it comes from the word metanoia, which means to change your life, to turn around, to turn away from something and to embrace something else. You know, it's so difficult in dealing with people because so often people don't want to turn away from something to accept Christ. They just want to take all that they have and bring it with them in their relation with Christ. But that's not the way it is. It just never was and it never will be. There is no such thing as these, uh, you know, these evangelists that preach, you know, God wants you to have it all. Sin, go for it. Money, power, greatness, go for it. That's not the gospel. The gospel tells us to repent. And that's a hard thing because I think primarily what we need to repent from is selfishness to generosity. Because even people who call themselves Christians can enter into Christianity with pure selfishness. You know, what am I going to get out of this? I'll get to go to heaven. I will be blessed by the Lord. You know, and so often we see, though, the way deal, God deals with those he loves the most, huh? The cross. You know, he gives us the cross and we say, excuse me, Lord, remember, I'm the one of the ones that love you. And he goes, I know. Remember, you have all heard story I've told it before I know about Teresa Avila you know Teresa one of our great saints who founded all the Carmelites you know or reformed all the Carmelites I should say and started all these new places and once she was going from one Carmelite to the other in the, in the carriage and as she was going in the carriage it hit a bump and she got thrown out of the carriage and fell into a big mud puddle and there's this poor nun all wet all muddy all dirty and Jesus appeared to her, true story, supposedly, and he says, oh, Teresa, Teresa, this is how I treat those I love the most. And she says, it's no wonder you have so few friends, Lord. Huh? And that's the way it can sometimes be. Lord, why is it the ones that seem so close to God, they get all the garbage? Because they unite themselves with the person they love, Christ on the cross. And again, the whole process of Christianity is that we learn that life isn't about me. It's about you. It's about giving away our lives. You know, again, even this summer, you know, usually I hate going to Notre Dame, but this I did have a good course on the Liturgy of the Hours. 
And it was uh, taught to us by an Episcopalian priest from uh, England, Paul Bradshaw. You know, I'm sitting there saying, okay, come on, I know enough about this. You know, it's one of the few, I was talking, we're the only parish almost in the world, I think, in the United States that has daily office of the readings in the morning. And, uh, you know, he's just going, I can't believe you actually do that. I said, yeah, we're pretty small. A lot of people don't want to get out of bed early in the morning at 6 o'clock to pray with us. But we pray the office of the morning prayer every day. But the whole purpose, when you went through the whole history of the office and why we come to church, and I've been talking about it a lot, is to exercise our royal priesthood in Christ. And priesthood, by definition, always has two things. It praises God. That's our job is to praise God. Now notice, even in our prayer, our number one job is to praise God. And the way the Old Testament people did it is they would thank God for his deeds that he has done. And they would say, Blessed are you, Lord God, you who took us out of our slavery in Egypt. Blessed are you, Lord our God, you who continue to be gracious to us. Blessed are you, Lord our God, who does this, this, and this. And so the first part of all our prayer, even prayer can be selfish, huh? Okay, God, I need this, I need this, and please bless my family, and please take care of this. Uh-uh. The first part of all prayer needs to be praise. So let's first of all examine our prayer lives when he calls us to repentance, because sometimes we're talking about repentance, we think about all those pagans out there, they got to come to know Jesus Christ more, and then we can, you know, but I've already been saved, you know, I go to Bread of Life, come on, it's an hour and a half liturgy, what more could you want? What's our prayer life like? How do we pray? Is it about me, my needs, my desires? Or do I start off my prayer with praise of God and thanksgiving for what he has done for me? And not for me, for the world. And then the second part of that, to exercise our priesthood, is to intercede for the world, to pray for others. You see, that's what Christ does, right? He offers praise to his Father, and what does he do eternally, as it says in Hebrews? He what? He makes intercession for us. So if we're going to be other Christians, my job and your job is to make intercession for the world, not just for me. So the call of repentance is even first in my own prayer life, to not let it be a time of selfishness and desires of my needs, but a time of prayer for the world and praise to God. And then in the midst of that, we come to know we're loved. In the midst of that, we come to know that's always been the time of the church. You know, again, even the way we pray, it's changed tremendously. The early Christians prayed how? Like this. How did Jesus Christ pray? Like this. That's the way he prayed. That's the way the early Christians prayed. That's the way the church prayed for the first thousand years at least like this but then what happened is the people got tired so they start putting their hands down and the only one left with their hands up was who the priest because the bishop made him keep his hands up you know you're gonna keep your hands up at least somebody's gonna have their hands up but that's the way the church would prayed for a thousand years the way Jesus prayed like this because it's a time of surrender it's a time of bringing my whole world with me before Almighty God you know that I can never follow Christ alone. As the gospel says today, he sent them out two by two. As we are followers of Christ, we must always, always bring the whole world with us in our prayer. 
bring the whole world with us, not just be concerned with salvation for our family and our friends, but salvation of everybody. Do you want your enemies to be standing next to you in heaven and praising God? If not, you haven't truly become a Christian yet. If you just want to get to heaven and follow Christ because, oh, it's going to be good and all those bad people, they're going to get there. Uh-uh, you haven't learned yet. You have great need of repentance, and so do I. Think about the person who's hurt you the most in life, the person you can't stand. Can you see them standing right next to you in heaven, praising God? That's repentance. That's not being concerned with self. It's always being more concerned about the others. What did Jesus say? Love your enemies. He said love them. Do we need repentance? Oh my, yes, do we need repentance. And then if we go to the gospel, to, I mean to the second reading today, it's in Ephesians. And I love Ephesians. <laughs> Ephesians is a great book. And we start with chapter 1. Again, the translation is bad. But chapter 1, verse 3. Great, great reading. Here it says, Praise be God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. What is he doing? He's praising. He's the Barakah. He is giving praise to God. Praise be to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has done what? Well, now we go. Who has bestowed on us in Christ every spiritual blessing. So we praise God because he has given us everything. Hmm. God chose us. He chose you and me in him before the world began to be holy and blameless in his sight. And here's the difference in the translations, to be full of love. But you and I are called to be people, and we preach repentance, is to call people to our own selves and others, is to be full of love. And to be full of love, when we call, means you give your life and you live your life for other people. It just is. You know, as I've been dealing with and looking at people and people I've dealt with and brought them closer to the Lord, sometimes I looked this past week and I thought, you know, I've been a failure in lots of ways because sometimes these people who have come to Jesus, they still think about following Christ as being a moral person. Well, Father, I don't get drunk anymore. Well, Father, I don't uh, miss Mass anymore. Well, Father, uh, you know, I don't swear anymore. That's very good. But you're still a very selfish person. It's not just about not doing things anymore. It's about giving away our lives. That's what it is to be holy, is to give away our lives. And we invite people into that. We say, Christ is calling you and me to be holy, and the way we are holy is to be full of love, to live a life of generosity, that all of my life must be lived for others. That's what life is about. Primarily, those who are here, you're primary to live your life for others. How? For your family. Your whole life must be lived for your family. Those of you who are sit there and are single, your life is to be lived for others. And God will call you to that. A true vocation to God, a true vocation, is how will I give my life away? And when I find that out, then I find priesthood, then I find religious life, then I find the consecrated single life, or then I find marriage. 
I don't sit there and enter in the marriage or all these things about, is someone going to love me here? It's how can I give my life away? It's for you. I will give my life away for you. That's marriage. I will give away my life for my children. That's the call. And that is so opposite in what the world says. So when Christ calls us to repentance, when we are people who call others to repentance, it's primarily our repentance away from self and my needs and my desires through a repentance of embracing Christ, embracing others, to be people full of love. Are we people full of love? That's the only thing that will matter. Did I take the one life I had and lived it for me? Or did I take the one life I had and gave it away in imitation of he who loved me and gave his life for me? You got it? You get it? Good. May each of you know his love today and forever. Amen.